0: welcome to sunburnt country music interviews with australian country music artists my name is sophie and i have been interviewing australian country music artists for over a decade and i still love it i love their stories i love their insights and i love their music so i hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast darlinghurst are a four-piece band each of whose members have an extensive background in music when they combined their talents they immediately captured listener attention and chart success They released their self-titled album in 2021 and won the Golden Guitar for New Talent of the Year in 2022. Their latest single is Pretty Doesn't Make You Good. And there are four members. I'm talking to Cassie Leopold, who is one of the lead vocalists. Hi, Cassie. Hi, how are you going? I'm very well, thank you. and very pleased to talk to you. I have seen Darlinghurst play live. I saw you win your Golden Guitar, actually. Oh, Um, really? That's awesome. Um, It was a great night. Um, But I thought I'd start by asking you how Darlinghurst came to be. Um, Yeah, like it's
1: kind of been a bit of an organic thing really. Pagan and I have been singing together for about 15 years and uh, we've been doing a lot of covers and done original projects individually before and we were covering quite a lot of country music and, you know, just dabbling a little bit and really wanted to get into the original scene in country. And so I called a mutual producer of ours and had a bit of a chat and he then introduced us to Jason and then Jason had been obviously in Nashville and had done a lot of stuff with country and um, yeah he's kind of got the ability to put people together and go I if it works I know it'll work but he doesn't actually ever really let you know that that's what he's doing so we all got together and we had a bit of a chat and thought yep let's do some writing together and then we went oh let's be in a band together now like we may as well do the three of us and then it was like oh there's another guy that you you guys might like, Matt, see mm-hmm. what you think. And the same thing happened and then it all just gelled. So it kind of just all happened that way.
0: So I suppose it's not necessarily the case that just because you're writing well together that you might play well together because they're quite distinct functions. But obviously, personality-wise, you felt you meshed.
1: Yeah, look, our personalities are so different, but I think the magic... Is when we all sing together. Something just works. And it's funny because we all come from such different backgrounds. I'm more of a rock sort of, you know, pop singer. Pagans, your R and B soul. You've got Matt that's folk and, and Jason that's um probably pop with a with a touch of kind of country, I guess. But we all are definitely different in our music choices. Mm-hmm. But um it just works. It just it just works. I can't even name it. It's like the the sound is our fifth member. It's very strange. <laughs>
0: Well, and of course, when you're singing harmonies together and there are a lot of beautiful harmonies in your songs, um, there is an element of magic in it, I guess, because you you can work at your harmonies, but then when you start singing together, it can sometimes just click and it sounds like that was the case.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, the blend is the main thing. You can sing all the right notes as as best you like and, and get everything 100% correct. But if it doesn't blend and it doesn't work, you can hear it and i think that's the you know the goal of people or you know bands like cosby steel and nash and you know the eagles and those harmony based bands is that the blend and the ability to actually know what vocal should be standing out a little bit more or what the the dominant harmony is is probably the key and you know majority of us and and particularly me come from that background so the harmony is another instrument, so we're mm-hmm. very particular about what we do and how we go about it. And it is difficult to get four lead singers to be able to uh, nail harmonies because some mm. lead singers are fabulous at doing lead and can do harmonies but aren't necessarily used to knowing they may need to sit back in a track and that that's, mm. you know, that's all part of the blend and and knowing how to do it. So there's a real art to it, but we mm. love it.
0: <laughs> I suppose also you and Pagan having performed together for a few years had your own thing going on, harmony-wise you knew how to work with each other. Um, it yeah. is remarkable actually that, that you could take that unit, let alone the two of you as individuals, and, and put it with some other people. Yeah, I think for Pagan and I we learned early days.
1: Like I've been doing it for a while and so has Pags. Like, we've been doing it a lot and I'd come from another original act years and years ago. Uh, that was all harmony based as well. So I'd learned a lot along the way and I'd done lots of BBs for different artists in studios and done studio work. So I, you know, there's a, a, a real thing with harmonies and being in a harmony band, knowing that there's room for everybody and you need to understand that sometimes with particular songs, some vocals suit better being the lead and others fit better sitting in the back. And Pagan and I know even before we sometimes sing, we just know where each other's going to go. So it's having that element of trust in a vocalist and also knowing that you can allow your ego to um, take a rest. You don't need to be (laughs) (laughs) at the centre all the time. And that for me is why I love it. I don't necessarily need to be singing every song. I I think that the, you know, harmonies, I could just sing harmonies all the time. I just (laughs) love doing it.
0: So how did you and Pagan start performing together?
1: Um, I was actually leaving to go and live in America and I was in a, a cover band in about, or about, oh, the band that I was in did about three or four different tribute shows around Australia and um, they never had worked with another girl before until I sort of came along and I was with them for quite some time. But when I left, they got in touch with, you know, the music industry is a pretty small industry even though there's so many of us, but we all seem to know people and um, Pagan came to audition for my um, for my role, mm. and I was heading to the states. And when I came back, they they were like, "Oh, did you want to come back?" And I was like, "Oh, well, what about Pagan?" They're like, "No, no, no, we're thinking it'd be great to have two chicks," and that's what happened. So the two of us started singing together, and then we started doing ABBA tributes—very figure, blonde and brunette. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is funny because we sometimes get yeah, we a lot of people will actually say we're like the country version of ABBA. So. <laughs> Um, we do get that a bit. But, yeah, then our friendship obviously blossomed from there and we spent many, many hours in at each other's houses and on the road together. You know, we've toured right. all around Australia and been on the road for six to eight weeks at a time together. So we know each other inside out and back to front and there is an element of sisterhood there and and that's probably why when we do sing together it works as well. Um, but in terms of our vocals, we have very different individual vocal sounds but it works together so mm. I don't know go figure
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so your own musical life did it start in childhood were you were you a yeah. Kid yeah
1: yeah yeah so I um yeah I was performing basically from the age of three three and a half and um and just continued on doing it uh was at the Johnny Young Talent School probably mm-hmm. when I was 10 um yeah went to America performed did musical theatre, you know, dancing's really was my background. I never really thought of myself as a singer, to be honest. It was just something I've got 10 years on Pagan and, you know, for us or anyone that was in the industry at the time, it was always you need to be multi-skilled to be, you know, mm. employable. So it was always like, you know, make sure you know how to dance, make sure you know how to sing, make sure you know how to act. So that was what, you know, I always did. I was always training, always doing stuff and and that kept me fairly um employable and it meant that yeah if you went into a musical and you could do you know you could sing and dance and act it obviously gave you more power to actually get the roles and opened you up to more opportunities so I've been doing it forever and I love it I can't imagine not not being on stage it's it feels like something's missing when I'm not performing
0: yeah right and you mentioned <laughs> that you had like some rock music in your background or your influences so was that actually what you liked like to listen to when you were growing up
1: Oh, big Alanis Morissette fan. Like I loved Alanis. Um, Rock more so when I went to the the pub scene. So from a performing aspect of being on stage and doing shows and, you know, doing cruise ships and I was at Disney for ages as well. Mm. um, That was obviously a lot more sort of pop and things and I loved that from a dancing perspective, absolutely. But as you get older and you start to, you know, getting different roles is harder as you get older too. So, you know, I was dabbling a little bit more in bands and wanting to be as employable as possible and I started to work in bands when I was 14 and I probably found that when I was in a a band with live musicians that rock was Mm -hmm. where I felt I like I loved doing it with a full band that sort of rock pop kind of vibe so yeah but I mean ultimately I think most musicians generally have a bit of a you know eclectic taste when it comes to music because so many things are impressive and I think you know that's the key and particularly doing covers you learn how to sing a whole heap of different songs but funnily enough us doing country and us leading down that pathway and ending up doing country um, as an original act Mm -hmm. so many people have said you know to me oh my god your voice actually suits it and it does but it's not something that I even thought about while I was doing it so yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting how things fall you know in your lap
0: <laughs> yeah and you mentioned that you know when you and Pagan were performing together you wanted to move into originals and that can be quite a leap um, I guess because when you've been doing something for a while and a bit scary as well because that's that's what you know that's the work you've had and then to start doing originals so had had you been songwriting for a while by the time the two of you were thinking that?
1: Yeah, both of us had done a lot of different, like I said, separate projects. Originally, when we were in the cover band, what happened was I think we did maybe three or four years together doing different shows and touring. And then we really wanted to step outside of just doing the tribute acts, even though it was great fun. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, just take a leap of faith and go out on our own. And that's what we did. Both of us play keys. So we started just doing duets and doing lots of weddings and we're loving it. We're starting to get a real... I think that's when we kind of discovered even more so then that our vocals worked really well with harmonising. We actually got to work a lot more on things like that than just getting up and sort of putting a show on. Not that those details aren't important in those, they are, but there's lots of tracks and things that are, you know, put over the top of those shows to, um, you know, to hype it up and camouflage you know, the fact that you might only have six people on stage and there's like, you know, a 15-piece band actually playing. So it was good just to really, really pull it back, just to keys and vocals um, with a couple of songs with tracks here and there. And that's where I think we really established ourselves as two, like, singers that worked really well together. That's when we sort of went, oh, this is actually more than just doing a couple of covers. So we just started to do a little bit of writing and stuff here and there. Where we got stuck was my writing uh background is more sort of rocky pop and Pagans was more soul R&B and that's where we were like not locking horns but we were like I'm not really sure how to go about you know I I know we hear all those things about country, you know, you know the storylines and stuff and that's mm-hmm. important to us but it was actually the um the melodies and things like that that we we weren't finding easy to get so Mm -hmm. the lyrics and stuff or lyrical content wasn't the issue it was getting the sound that we wanted we know what we wanted we just weren't sure how to get it so that was the reason that I was like yep that's where you pick your your phone up and and reach out to people you know and just sort of say hey what do you think and from there leads to them obviously introducing you to other people and Mm -hmm. um you know and if it works, it works. And I, I did know. I mean, I think I, I did a um, very first writing session with Jason. I think it was like two or three times we'd done it. And on the third time I walked out and I said to Peggy, this is it. This is the one. This is going right. to work. And Peggy's like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure that, you know, you can say that. And I said, no, nah, I just feel it. I just knew there was something. I just knew there was something. It was just working. And I don't know what. And it doesn't mean that you don't have conflicts or you don't have, you know, disagreements about certain things. but ultimately the biggest thing for all of us when it comes to it, comes down to it, is that we serve Darlinghurst first and what works, works. You know, I mean, as much as you might be so in love with an idea and it might be very, very special to you, if it's Mm -hmm. not gelling as a band, you might have to put it aside and, you know, I don't know, wait till you have a solo career or something or (laughs) hand it (laughs) off to somebody else. But um, we're pretty good at at being... um, I guess honest is the right word, but we're pretty good at knowing what's right for Darlinghurst. So, yeah. yeah. So
0: when you started (laughs) writing songs together as a band, did you write a few before you chose what your first single would be to record and release or did you like targeted?
1: No, because it depends. Like, you know, everyone writes like kind of differently too. And for us this was the first time that I'd ever written this way and that was because um, Jason obviously had been in, Nashville for two or so years he also worked he won his first British Music Award at 17 and had worked with the Pet Shop Boys and Girls Aloud and Kylie Minogue he'd done a lot so he was part of a a big production company in the UK and their job primarily was just to write hits you know write great songs and the way they did it was they would get a verse and a chorus and see where that was see how that sounded if it sounded like it was going somewhere. You'd continue. If it didn't, you'd stop and you'd start again. So that was a really difficult process for me because I've wow. always been, I feel like that's half telling a story or something. That's, you know, only watching half a movie and not knowing what's going to happen at the end. Yeah, And it was very difficult to get my head around. But what I did realise is we'd work those, those sections to a point where, It wasn't about them never being looked at again. It was just what's really working right now Mm. and let's focus on that. So that's how we did it. And then you'd revisit those songs or potentially start with a whole heap of other ideas or fresh ideas. So Mm. always verse and chorus, the melodies and the chorus were the big things, making sure that they were pretty good, work them up to the point where they were pretty well, like solid and then... Mm go right we've got six or seven of those (laughs) which ones do we want to keep working on where do we think we should go so that's what we've always done so from doing that we ended up having a huge selection to Mm -hmm. choose from but it was actually really obvious when we went back and listened why some of those songs stood out yeah right. but that's the genius of Jace Jace could hear things that we couldn't so I distrusted the process. I was like, just let me get in and sing
0: and do my bits. I don't want to be involved in that. It's too hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, the first Dialogue my Single was released in 2019, so you didn't have a lot of time to get established before the pandemic arrived, yet you nope. kept releasing music through the difficult years. Um, I wonder if it was hard to keep the faith, actually, at that time. Well, I think that also goes
1: down to um, or comes down to exactly what I was just saying, the way we actually wrote right at the start obviously was before 2019 and all of that. Mm. So we had a lot of stuff in the bank, Like before we even went to, um, you know, try and get signed by helium and things and put our feelers out there, we already had pretty much like nine or 10 songs already recorded right. pretty much ready to go other than getting them, um, mastered and, Potentially having them sent to um, another producer, which we did in the States, to have, you know, like a final say or tune things and things like that. But Mm -hmm. we had our stuff. Like we had our stuff. What was great um, in COVID, if you can say that it was great ever, but what was good is that it gave us an opportunity to continue to write. Because once we came out of COVID, all we did was perform. We just had to be back on stage performing. So the goal there was to get out. We need to be in front of people. We need, I know our songs are on the radio. We've done a few little things, but we actually got stopped in that path. We need to just spend the time on the road performing. So that's all we were going to have time to do. So it worked out well that we were sort of ready to go once that settled a bit to have more music. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know if it worked, you know, I don't know. It's funny how the world sort of offers things up you know sometimes you think it's going to be a disaster and then you think well thank god it kind of did happen that way you know Mm -hmm. because we wouldn't have had time to get like the new single and stuff that we've got out now we wouldn't have had time to get that organized or do any of that and that all came through you know zoom and and writing um through so that's that was a lucky thing
0: (laughs) Well, we've all talked about the new single, which is Pretty Doesn't Make You Good, and uh, you wrote it with M Squared, who are production in Melbourne. Uh, was that your first time working with them? Yes, yes. We've um, tried to a few times
1: uh, go down that path. We just haven't been able to make it work from uh, due to schedules and things like that, and they're so busy. They've got so many incredible artists that they work with, not just in the country music, you know, not just in country music, but in all genres. But it was um, incredible to work with them. They're, they're brilliant. They're just pros. Right. Um,
0: and what is the story behind the song? I mean, it's the, the title of the song is a true statement, but I wonder <laughs> what the story
1: is behind it. <laughs> oh, look, you know, I mean, like you said, the title speaks for itself. It's it's more just about representing like authenticity, understanding mm-hmm. that although we are sold through the media and through the world that, you know, looks and, and things like that are important and that's the only way you can be successful. There's, it, it came about really watching a lot of younger girls in the industry battling to, you know, get the attention of, you know, a, a, a record label or and not understanding that, you know, their value, not realising that, you know, you actually have value in what you do. You don't need to do or sell yourself short. Because ultimately, especially in country too, people love real, you mm-hmm. know, they love the realness and thank goodness, you know, I mean, it's always going to have that in anything that we do, we're always going to have that feeling of we're not good enough or, you know, maybe I could be skinnier or maybe I could dye my hair this colour or You know, if only I lost two kilos, or, you know, if my legs were longer. I mean, we're constantly doing that to ourselves. And a lot of that's got to do with social media and Mm -hmm. what is continually shoved in our face. And we just wanted to put a statement out there to say that, you know, all those things don't amount to you being a success. There's so many other underlying things that are so much more important. And ultimately, if you pass away or when you pass away, I don't know that many funerals you go to where people are going. Geez, they were really pretty. You know, it's generally like, oh, what a, an amazing person, or you yeah. know, or sometimes maybe not a great person, but you know, the the legacy you leave behind is more about what you, you know, the the imprint that you leave, and it's not it's not really about your looks and things. I mean, that fades, doesn't it? So, yeah, that's the um, ultimate part of the story.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's no, a thank you um that was a great explanation um the, the album which was released in 2021 um and i it, it was it had an upbeat feel to it certainly there were you know shades in it but I'm I'm imagining that partly the time it was released and influenced the selection of songs that you wanted something that was upbeat and people obviously responded to that so as you move I'm presuming towards a, a, another album or at least some more songs, Are you feeling like you'll react to the times almost or are you just going to follow your conscience as to which songs are going to work for you?
1: Well, I think the hard part with writing with four people is that we start with concepts or ideas or someone might come to the table with a particular thing that's occurred and gone, I'd love to write about this. Mm -hmm. What ends up happening a lot of the time is by the time the four people put their input in and add a lyric here or add an idea sometimes the song ends up being something that it's it, it ends up being something that you actually aren't talking about in the end right. which is fine so sometimes it's a bit of a mystery for ourselves to know mm-hmm. you know or if you actually sit down and say to the band member like hangman's a prime example you know we wrote that up in a trooper where i live and uh not the whole song but predominantly the melody and chorus line we came up with there and we'd never really discussed what we thought it was about I think we all just assumed we thought the same thing but when we actually asked each other particularly when you get asked you know what's the song about or can you write you know from our managers and stuff can you just write like a little paragraph about what the song's about and we all started to think and what we all put down was completely different to each other Mm -hmm. so I guess the advantage with that kind of writing is that It can be universal. People can potentially take on board some of those songs and and listen to them and adapt how, you know, adapt the story to the way they want it to be Um, unless there's something really, really quite serious or it's about a particular person. Mm -hmm. And we haven't really done that yet. There's certainly songs individually that we've got that are like that, but it's a fine line between keeping the songs, you know, I guess, catchy, you know, still wanting that catchy sort of sound but also having depth. And I feel mm-hmm. like with this next album that we're working towards that we probably have a bit more space potentially to, to put a few more of those songs in there. Yeah. Essentially, we'd like to, you know, grow with our music. So I'm assuming as a band we've grown, obviously, um, we're growing up, uh, things have changed, the world certainly become you know lighter in some aspects and darker in others and I guess it just depends on how we all get together and you know start with the concept and see where it leads you know I seem to be the darker one and Pagan's probably closer to that with me we seem to go down the darker path right Jason's got more of an upbeat you know like roses and butterflies and um which is lovely like it's great <laughs> and Matt just smiles through everything he's just like yeah. cruisy so like, hey I don't mind whatever Yep. Yep. So um, it's probably a good balance because mine would probably, if I did an album
0: on my own, it would probably
1: be just depressing. So
0: <laughs> so it's good. Well, it does, yes, it does allow like some of the parts is a very, very good one and you do balance <laughs> each other. The band has yeah. some shows coming up, although I note the Echuca show is sold out. So it can't is, it that is. One, But over the next few months there are some shows, so I'll put some dates for people to find them. That and would be wonderful. New music to look forward to. So, Cassie, it's been great to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to sunburnt country music on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.